Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The volume. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. I hope all of you guys are having a great week so far. We are live on AMP, so if you're watching on YouTube or listening on the podcast feeds, don't forget that AMP is the very first place that you guys can get these shows. Continuing our power rankings today with number 18, the Orlando Magic. And then I have four mailbag questions for the end of the show as well. You guys know the drill. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT. Don't forget to subscribe to The Volume's YouTube channel. You can find this also on our podcast feed, Under Hoops Tonight. And I need mailbag questions. Drop them in the YouTube comments. We'll be hitting those at the end of every show moving forward. All right, let's talk some basketball. So a recap of the offseason for the Orlando Magic. They lost Bull Bull, who signed with the Phoenix Suns. And then through the draft, they added Anthony Black, a super versatile guard out of Arkansas. Not much of a score. Shot just 4 for 13 in ISO situations last year. Not much of a jump shooter, 48% effective field goal percentage in catch and shoots and 41% in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots last year. But he's pretty good at everything else. He's like a Swiss Army knife at the guard position. He's got good uh, frame for uh, that position. He's about 6'6", I think, with about a 6'8", 6'9", wingspan. So he's got really good length, which allows him to be an impact player on the defensive end of the floor in a way that a lot of guards can't. And also gives him the ability to see over the top of the defense and to make passes that a lot of other smaller guards can struggle with. He's really, really good at everything aside from creating his own shot. And I think that instantaneously makes him a really interesting player in the future, in the long run, alongside the likes of Franz Wagner and Paolo Boncaro. Uh, they also drafted Jet Howard, Jawan Howard's son out of Michigan, a scoring wing. He's a good shooter. He converted spot-up possessions at 1.11 points per possession last year, which is excellent. Shot 57% in effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jumpers, 60% when he was unguarded. As a shot maker, he was 48% in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots, which is amazing for a young player. 41% on floaters as well. He was also a 71st percentile pick-and-roll playmaker. 
Packers. 0.94 points per possession. Something I noticed on tape this morning, just does a really good job of using the roll man. He's methodical and patient, makes use of the roll man rolling to the basket, and because he's got a good floater and a good pull-up jump shot, that makes him a dynamic scorer in pick-and-roll situations. But these are guys that are long-term uh, uh, prospects for the Orlando Magic, right? They've already got some young guys that are ready to go right now, and so they needed a veteran option to come in and provide some leadership and experience in the locker room. So they signed Joe Ingles, who's a very good secondary ball handler um, and a very good off-ball player, things that I think are going to help the Magic a lot. He was 1.12 points per possession in 258 pick-and-rolls last year for the Bucks. That's, like, ridiculously good. So he's going to run second-side action really good. Just does a good job of getting getting downhill and patiently waiting for the defense to leave an opening and making the correct pass. He also shot 57% in effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot jump shots last year and 69% effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots last year on high volume on 70 attempts in just that small sample size with the Milwaukee Bucks. Now, he used to be a much better defender back in the days when he was with the Utah Jazz, but he will do his job within a defensive scheme, and they've got more athletes on the floor that can help cover the ground. So I love him as a veteran presence in that locker room, and I thought that was a really smart pickup. So the depth chart as of right now looks like a guard. They're going to have Markel Fultz, Gary Harris, Jalen Suggs, Anthony Black, and Cole Anthony. And at the forwards, they'll have Paolo Boncaro, Franz Wagner, Jonathan Isaac, uh, Joe Ingles, and Jet Howard. And then at the center position, Wendell Carter Jr. and Mo Wagner, Goga Batadze. I also expect to see some Paolo at at center this season as well as a backup center, especially when guys like Mo Wagner are are out with injury. You know, uh, one of the big things that I noticed um, when I was watching the World Cup was that Paolo actually seems to do pretty good banging with other centers and, and and getting defensive rebounds better than you would expect for a young forward. And, you know, I remember when I watched him at Summer League last year in person, that was one of the biggest things that stood out to me was just how damn big Paolo Boncaro is. And so I'd like to see him play a little bit of backup center this year as well. Starting lineup in all likelihood, based on what we saw last year, will be Markel Fultz at the one, Gary Harris at the two, Franz Wagner at the three, Paolo Boncaro at the four, and Wendell Carter Jr., at the five. So on offense last year, they were not good. They were 26th in offensive rating. You're going to see a lot of bad numbers here. And something to keep in mind, kind of to frame this all, this is what the Orlando Magic were. I have them up at 18 this year because I expect them to take a leap this year. You know, uh, again, like like this is this is the team that had the 25th best record in basketball last year, and I have them at 18th in my power ranking. So I'm expecting them to improve significantly. But let's take a look just to identify where their areas opportunity uh, of opportunity are, what they were like last year. So they were 26th in offensive rebounding, or excuse me, offensive rating. They did not shoot the ball very well. They were 25th in threes made per game, 24th in three-point percentage, 22nd in spot-up efficiency, so they didn't attack closeouts very well either. Uh, Paolo was a big part of that. He shot just uh, 29%. He shot below 30% from three on four attempts per game. And then as a team, they're not a good pull-up jump shooting team. They were 27th in efficiency on pull-up jump shots with just a 44% effect field goal percentage. So obviously when it comes to slow down half court offense, you need to be able to have guys that are capable of knocking down pull-up jump shots when teams pack the paint. And then when you kick out to shooters on the weak side, they need to be able to make shots and attack closeouts. 
They're not good at those particular things, and so they're obviously going to struggle in half-court offense. But they also struggled in, with, rim, uh, with rim finishing. They were the fifth best team at getting to the rim, according to Synergy, but only the 25th best team at actually converting rim attempts into points. And so as it really breaks down, they're a team that kind of like gets a lot of shots, but just can't actually finish them. And so that's going to be something as a team, as their skill development improves, as they learn to finish plays better, their offensive rating will climb. I I don't expect them to jump from 26th to 10th or anything this year, but I do expect them to jump into the top 20 this year. They are a very heavy pick-and-roll team. They uh, like to set up in horn sets when they get into the half court, and then they'll usually run some sort of interchange with the ball handler coming out of the corner. And then one of the uh, big men that they have at the t- uh, at the elbows, usually Paolo and, and uh, um, Wendell Carter Jr., one of them will actually set a screen and roll to the basket. They've run some Spain pick-and-roll out of that with Wendell Carter Jr. popping to the top of the key because he can knock down threes. They're a heavy pick-and-roll team. They were 10th in pick-and-roll frequency last year. They ran about 37 pick-and-rolls per game, but they were just 23rd in pick and roll efficiency. All the same reasons we talked about earlier, poor pull-up shooting, poor spot-up shooting, poor rim finishing. That's going to hurt you in a lot of cases in pick and roll. They also were the fourth worst team in the league at taking care of the basketball. Lots of classic issues that you expect with young teams, and that ended up hurting them more on the defensive end of the floor, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So as as a younger team, as I look at that and I see, you know, is Paolo going to shoot 29% from three for the rest of his career? No, he's going to improve as a shooter, right? Guys like Paolo and Franz, are they going to improve as pull-up jump shooters? Absolutely. Like right now, Markel Fultz is a complete non-threat off the basketball. Is that something he's going to improve at some point? Yeah, probably, right? Uh, turning over the basketball, that's a classic young guy problem. These are all things that these kids should improve on as they get older, and those are again as we look at offensive ratings like the difference between the best team in the league and the and the worst team in the league in offensive rating is like you know it might be a dozen points per 100 possessions right sometimes even less depending on the season and so really a little bit of improvement in each of those areas could be enough to lift them from where they are to a significantly more potent offense. But what I'd like to do right now is I'd like to take a look at each of Orlando's three primary young ball handlers and how they're progressing so far. So obviously we look at Gary Harris as an off-ball shooter at the two guard. Obviously we look at Wendell Carter Jr. as kind of like a pick and pop big, right? So um, the, uh, the their primary shot creators are going to be Markel Fultz, Franz Wagner, and Paolo Boncaro. So let's look at what they accomplished last year. We'll start with Franz Wagner, one of the most exciting young forwards in the league. He averaged 19 points, four rebounds, and four assists per game last year on an extremely impressive 59% true shooting. For a second-year player, that's unbelievable. He got a ton of pick-and-roll reps last year. He ran 758 pick and rolls. And again, like this is why I was talking about how I expect that improvement to take place. Like these guys are just getting tons and tons of valuable reps, right? He uh, averaged 0.98 points per possession in those 758 pick and rolls. That's really not bad for a 21 year old. That's above average. That's, that's good production for a young shot creator. Classic pick and roll playmaking. Franz is a little bit more uh, methodical. He likes to pick up his dribble and take long steps into the lane using his size and take that extra step to get the defense to collapse a little bit further. 
excellent passer, especially making those cross-court passes. Great at getting to the rim and finishing there. He made 3.3 shots per game in the restricted area last year on 65%, which is, again, really, really good for a young forward. And my guess is that when he gets into his mid-20s, he's going to be at about you know 70% in those situations and maybe even closer to four restricted area makes per game. He's got a ton of potential in the long run, and he's already really, really good. He did struggle in ISO last year, 0.74 points per possession on 117 possessions. That's something he'll have to improve. He was pretty good in the post, though, 1.05 points per possession on 38 post-ups. Went back and watched most of those this morning. Very few of them are like your traditional like LeBron James forward post-ups where he's taking a bunch of back-down dribbles and manipulating the defense. Franz is just really good with deep seals and duck-ins and identifying when he's got a small defender on him, just getting really good deep post position and then just catching and going up and finishing, right? Uh, he's also really good at creating a big target when defenders try to front him. So a lot of times smaller defenders will front him in the post. He'll turn and seal, create a nice high target so the guy can throw the over-the-top pass and he can catch and easily finish at the rim. 1.05 points per possession is very good for a post player, and he does that mostly on quick uh, quick catching and finishing around the basket. I expect a big leap out of Franz Wagner this year, and that will be the biggest uptick in overall ability offensively for this Magic team, in my opinion. To give you guys an idea, I expect, as, as a matter of fact, I think it's almost an absolute certainty that uh, Franz Wagner is going to average 25 and 5 next year. He's going to enter into that 25 and 5 club. To give you an idea, only 15 players in the entire NBA last year averaged at least 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists per game. I actually think he's going to finish closer to 22, 6, and 6. I think we're going to get a really, really impressive season out of Franz Wagner. And he just came off of yet another really impressive performance. In the FIBA World Cup, he averaged 17 points per game. He had 22 against Team USA, 40 points on 41 pick-and-rolls, isos, and post-ups. So static shot creation was good once again. I think he's poised for a huge year. Paolo Boncaro averaged 20.7 rebounds and 4 assists in his rookie season, 53% true shooting. Obviously not good, but that's what you expect from a young player. Struggled in pick-and-roll and iso, but was amazing in post-up situations. 194 points on 172 post-ups, including passes. That's 1.13 points per possession. Among the 31 players in the NBA last year that ran at least 150 post-ups, Paolo finished fifth in efficiency. That's an amazing accomplishment for a young player. Starts with him just being big as all hell. He's so big that he's just a pain to deal with fighting for position on the block. From there, he's a willing passer, has a really devastating drop step. He's not a guy that likes to take shots over the top in the post right now. Like He doesn't take a lot of hook shots. His turnaround jumper is just flat out inaccurate at this point. It, It probably will be a lot better in the long run. But what he does is he catches and he takes aggressive steps towards the baskets. A lot of up and unders, a lot of step throughs, a lot of drop steps and aggressive moves towards the rim. He's also a willing passer in that situation. What he'll do in a lot of cases is he'll take a drop step towards the baseline and just throw a hard pump fake. And he'll throw that hard pump fake to get the defense to kind of collapse on him and then he'll throw an overhand two-hand skip pass to like a shooter in the slot on the opposite side or in the corner. He's a very, very willing passer out of the post as well. To give you an idea, despite not having a reliable hook shot and despite not having an accurate turnaround jump shot, he shot 51% 
on his own shot attempts out of the post last year. That's a huge part of how he was such a devastating post-up weapon. And I think in the long run, he's going to be one of the best post players in the league, especially as he starts to polish up his over-the-top shot making. Football is back in full swing with another week of epic games. And who's got you covered on the action for every single one of them? DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. New customers can bet $5 on football and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Nobody's missing out on the action this season. All DraftKings customers can take advantage of two new offers every single game day this September. Get in on the NFL Week 2 action with DraftKings Sportsbook. Download the app now and use code HOOPS to sign up. New customers can bet just $5 and take home $200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code HOOPS. That's H-O-O-P-S. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY to 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 888- 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gambling resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Biggest thing to watch with Paolo is going to be his jump shot. He was good in standstill situations last year. He had a 54% effective field goal percentage on unguarded catch-and-shoot jump shots, which is solid. Obviously, 
a great shooter there is going to be over 60%, but 54% is is livable. That means you can't just leave him completely wide open, right? But when you disrupt him, he's going to miss. He was 28% effective field goal percentage on catch-and-shoot uh, jump shots that were guarded, and he was under 40% on pull-up jump shots. So needs to improve his handle and improve his jump shot to be more successful in ISO and pick-and-roll situations and spot-up situations, and then obviously his over-the-top over shot making in the post. But I expect him to make those improvements. He's very, very young. Just He's only played one NBA season. Give him time. He's going to develop those things. He's also a candidate to jump into that 25-5 and five group this year, although I think it's a lot less likely than Franz. The last guy I want to take a look at is Markel Fultz. Former number one pick. He averaged 14 points, four rebounds, and six assists last year on 56% true shooting. He also was top 20 in the league in steals last year with one and a half per game. The most impressive part of his offensive game last year was his pull-up jump shooting. He shot 46% in effective field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots, but he didn't. He barely took any pull-up threes. So he actually shot 44% in like legit field goal percentage on pull-up jump shots. He makes almost half of his mid-range jump shots. He's got this nasty like hesitation dribble in his left hand where he just does that like hard heavy step left-handed hesitation like he's going to drive and then he'll just rise up and shoot. He actually draws a lot of fouls in that situation as well, but that deadly pull-up jump shot is the genesis of most of his success as a shot creator in the NBA right now. Um, can't shoot off the catch. It's a big area of opportunity for him. He was 28% on catch-and-shoot threes last year. That's not good. 0.9 points per spot-up possession. That's not good. Needs to figure that out just because on a team that's going to have the ball in Franz's hands and Paolo's hands a lot, he needs to be guarded. He needs to make himself a threat, so I'd like to see him improve in catch-and-shoot situations, or at least attacking closeouts. We've seen guys like Dwayne Wade be really bad three-point shooters, but average over a point per possession in spot-ups by attacking closeouts successfully. Just in general, Markel Fultz is going to have to improve in that area. But the pull-up jumper and his ability to get to the rim extremely well for a guard have turned him into a reliable shot creator. 1.02 points per possession in pick-and-roll last year. That's 64th percentile. 1.14 points per possession in ISO. That's 86th percentile. He shot 55% from the field in isolation situations last year. He's just a big, strong athlete who's got a physical advantage over most guards. He's going to hit hard dribbles to the basket and like get his shoulder into your chest and then pull back for little floaters and jump shots. Every once in a while, he'll go to that hesitation pull-up jump shot that he's making at a really high rate, and then he can get to the rim and finish really well. 2.7 makes per game in the restricted area at 65%. Those are both excellent marks for a young NBA guard. And then he's also a very good passer as well. Again, the key with him long-term is going to be whether or not he can make himself a threat off the ball to play alongside Paolo and Franz. But the continuing development of those three is what makes me so excited about this team. The lineup just makes sense. You've got a stretch big in Wendell Carter. Um, he was up over 36% from three on four attempts per game last year. You know about how a stretch big can cause problems for the defense by using the rim protector and his desire to stay at the rim against them, right? Gary Harris is a knockdown three-point shooter. And then you've got these three shot creators, and all of them are very different, right? Like Paolo's like this bully ball forward who's posting people up and punishing people at the rim. Franz is this big playmaking forward that's methodical in his downhill approach. And then you've got Markel Fultz, who's like kind of a classic athletic downhill guard, right? So they're all very different. They all can attack in different ways. They have a ton of offensive versatility. And in theory, in the long run, not necessarily this year, but all five of those guys will be able to shoot 
All five of those guys will be able to dribble and pass, and all five of those guys will be able to defend. And that that's the recipe for a championship-caliber roster in the long run. But let's talk about the defensive end of the floor. They were 18th in defensive rating last year, which is very good for a young team. But they were actually 13th in half-court defense. They were one of the better half-court defenses in the league with all that length and athleticism, right? It was the transition situations that killed them. They gave up the fifth most transition possessions in the league in large part because they turned the basketball over too much. That's something that you'll see them improve with their young ball handlers getting more experience. Their half-court defense was solid because they're huge and athletic. They were the fifth best team in the league at guarding the paint last year. They were a very good rebounding team. As a matter of fact, the Magic gave up the third fewest offensive rebounds in the league per 100 possessions, and they gave up just 202 putbacks, which was the fifth best mark in the league. So closing out defensive positions with defensive rebounds will help you a lot defensively and protecting the paint will help you a lot defensively. Their biggest uh, downsides were they gave up the fifth most made threes per game in the NBA. So they did not guard the three point line very well, too much overhelping, not good enough in rotation. And then turnovers. Anytime you turn over the basketball, you compromise your defense by giving up transition opportunities. So if they clean up transition and they guard the three-point line better, I think they have the potential to crack the top 10 defensively this year. Those are all classic young player issues. Those are things they can fix. I think the Magic are going to finish around 10th in defensive rating this year. And I think they're going to finish close to 20th in offense. Those improvements going from 18th to 10th on on defense and going from 26th or 20 whatever, whatever they were on offense to 20th in offense, I think that's going to push them closer to 500. I think they're going to finish around 41 and 41 or 40 and 42 or 42 and 40, right around that range. And I think they're going to make the play-in tournament as a 9 seed or a 10 seed. Kind of similar to what OKC was last year. I kind of see this as the year before the year that they become really good. And I think they're going to be a good basketball team in this particular season. All right. We have, uh, we had to do this video earlier today because of a scheduling conflict. So I had our lead producer, Ryan, who's a legend in the game. I had him put together four fake mailbag questions for you guys based on current NBA storylines. So the first fake question from Ryan Hey, Jason, do you think the load management mandate will make a difference? So those of you guys who heard, the NBA came out with some new principles for uh, uh, load management. Basically, if I, I don't know them perfectly off the top of my head, but the gist of it is nationally televised games, you can't rest more than one of your stars without facing a fine, right? Um, and what's interesting about that is like, like in that particular situation, if you're going to rest one star, you might as well rest both, right? Because like you have an infinitely smaller chance of winning the game compared to if all your stars play, and so why not buy yourself the rest if you're going to get a loss, right? And so I, the question, if the question is, do I think load management's uh, the new load management mandate will make a difference? I think yes and no. I think it will help on the nationally televised games. I think if you're on the fence where you've got one guy who's a little banged up and one guy who's healthy, you'll be like, let's just play everybody, right? Because we we'll try to win this game and then the. League pass game two nights later, it will rest both of the guys in, in that situation, right? Like, I do think you'll see more stars play in nationally televised games. But there will still be teams that try to circumvent that, right? Because of the injury report. Like, if it's not rest, but it's actually like rehab, like I'm sitting a player because he's hurt, I think that will be a, a loophole that some teams will try to use to rest their stars. And then I do think teams will still rest a ton of their stars in non-nationally televised games. So the overall problem with star participation I don't think will be altered all that much. 
but it will shift away from nationally televised games to your league pass games. And that's major value because most of the league pass games are going to be lower profile matchups, whereas the nationally televised games are going to be, you know, good teams playing good teams. So it just makes more sense to do it that way. But to be honest, like this and the, that all NBA mandate, right? So like, we also know that you have to play at least 65 games to make an all NBA team. I do think that the nationally televised, the nationally televised games rules and the 65 games rule will help, but only a little. And the only real fix for this in the long run is urgency. You need to add urgency to the games. If you, I've said this before in the show, but I would shrink the season to 66 games. If you did that, you would guarantee there's no back-to-backs in the schedule, and you'd guarantee that every single week you'd have at least one stretch with two consecutive days off, which that extra day off would help the players recover. Also, you've shortened the season by 20%, so each game would carry 20% more urgency. So the improved urgency and the increased star participation would be good for the league in the long run. In the short run, it would obviously cost them money. But in the long run, with the improved urgency and the improved star participation, I think it'd be great for the league. They'll never do it because they're obsessed with that short-term money. And I think that's a mistake because I think urgency in the NBA is at an all-time low, even with this midseason tournament. So I don't think these measures are going to really solve the problem unless they make a significant change shortening the season, but it doesn't seem like that's ever going to happen. So honestly, it's kind of hopeless. Second question from Ryan. Hey, Jason, what's taking so long on the Damian Lillard train? Shouldn't all parties involved want this to be over? I My best guess is that most of this comes down to pride from the Blazers' office. I feel like they feel like they're getting bullied into this trade. I feel like they feel like all of the public pressure is trying to tell them to take this Miami deal, which is obviously not the best deal in a vacuum. But to me, it's just it's just disrespectful to the reality of the situation. Like, yeah, you're right. Ideally, you'd be able to trade Dame to any location and get the absolute perfect return. But this is not James Harden. This is not Kyrie Irving. This is not a player who has mistreated your organization. This is not a, tr- a, a player that is trying to take advantage of you. What's happening here is Damian Lillard, for over a decade, has given everything he can to this franchise. And now, finally, at a new phase, when the franchise is clearly rebuilding, when he's already given them more chances than they probably deserved, he's asking for an opportunity to go where he wants to go. You owe that to him. You owe him his preferred destination. I would totally get where you're coming from if this was James Harden. Nobody, we're not going to be the next vehicle of your random trade demand to try to send you to your next super team. Like, screw that. I would get that. But that's not what's going on here. What's going on here is you have a player that was incredibly loyal and devoted to this city, gave it everything he had. They're legitimately done. Last year, even with Damian Lillard, Jeremy Grant, Anthony Simons on the floor, they got their butts kicked. So, like, they're not, it's time to move on. Dame wants to go to Miami, send him to Miami. You owe that to him. And okay, are you going to get a little bit worse return? 
Sure, but your future is super bright. You've got Scoot Henderson. You've got Shaden Sharp. You've got Anthony Simons. It's a great time to be a Blazers fan. Just send him to Miami and move on. That, that, that's what I think needs to happen, and I'm hopeful that that will happen in the next couple of weeks. Third question. Hey, Jason, are you actually buying LeBron will play in the Olympics next summer? I buy that he wants to, but so much can change before then. Obviously, like, the frame of mind completely changes. You, uh, like, this year, LeBron was dealing with a banged-up foot, right? Like, he had a foot injury. So, like, what nagging injury is he going to be dealing with at the end of next season that could disrupt that issue, right? I think that, you know, it's like, it reminds me of when LeBron uh, uh, said he was going to participate in the dunk contest. I don't doubt that he wanted to in the moment when he said that, but it's just there's a realistic, you know, there's there's a realistic side of it, which is that when we get to the point where that decision actually has to be made, it's a different frame of mind, your body's in a different state, chances are, I would say there's probably less than a 50% chance that LeBron plays. Not by much, I'd say it's roughly a coin flip, but I'd give it a slightly better chance that LeBron does not play in the Olympics. He actually said something similar, not quite as dramatic, but he said something similar before the Tokyo Games about how he wanted to play, and then he ended up not playing. So that goes to show you how that frame of mind can change. Um, I do think that any Olympic team led by Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, and LeBron James is winning the damn tournament. Like that's for sure happening. I've talked about it, but like if you get Anthony Davis, LeBron James, Steph KD, and you know, throw maybe it's Kawhi, maybe it's Devin Booker, you know, maybe it's Jason Tatum, whoever it is that you put in that spot, they're winning the damn thing. That's too much on ball, off ball skill, that's too much size and athleticism, that's too much defensive versatility. They're gonna win the damn thing. Uh, but it's just a question of whether or not they can get that roster actually out there. All right, final question. Hey, Jason. This is a cla- this is classic Ryan. Isn't it incredible that the ultimate story of redemption has redeemed the real-life career of Hayden Christensen? So Dave Filoni was in his bag last night with Ahsoka Episode 5. We got epic uh, flashbacks to Anakin Skywalker and his Clone Wars armor. We got to see uh, early Clone Wars Anakin. We got to see late Clone Wars Anakin right before Order 66. We got to see... Uh, uh, young Ahsoka in two different iterations, right? Like it was just an epic Star Wars moment. Um, I never understood the hate of Hayden Christensen. I understand that there were some older Star Wars fans who didn't really like him in the prequel trilogies. Um, the prequel trilogies weren't perfect, but they were mostly good, I thought. And like, was Anakin's character a little bit annoying? Yeah, but that's what his character was. Like, You got to remember what you were asking Hayden Christensen to do was to play an angsty teenager who didn't have control over his emotions. Like that was literally the job. And so of course he, that's an unlikable thing, right? Like we all were angsty teenagers when we were younger, right? But how many of you guys now encounter a a, a teenager in some situation and you hear them talk and you're like, oh my gosh, you like, like you clearly are, you don't understand how the world works. Like you need to be grounded and understand that this too shall pass and you need to be a grown up about stuff, right? Like every grown up gets a little annoyed by juvenile behavior. So obviously you were going to be a little annoyed that Hayden Christensen was acting angsty and emotional and unstable as a teenager. That was his job. I actually thought Hayden Christensen did a really nice job playing Anakin in the prequel trilogy, but it is nice to see through Ahsoka and through the Obi-Wan series to see him get, you know, kind of like a a a, a moment to shine again. Like Ryan's referring to it as redemption here. We can call it whatever we want to call it. But I think it's cool to see Hayden Christensen get the court of public opinion back in his favor 
I also am super, super excited for episode six of Ahsoka. We're going to meet Grand Admiral Thrawn in another galaxy. It's going to be dope. Uh, for those of you guys who don't know already, I do a Star Wars podcast with my buddy Luke. We actually just dropped an episode breaking down and reacting to episode five of Ahsoka. You can find that wherever you get your podcast under Two Suns Podcast or on YouTube under Two Suns Podcast. That's T-W-O-S-U-N-S Podcast. All right, guys, that is all I have for today. As always, I sincerely appreciate you guys supporting the show. We will be back tomorrow with number 17. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Good sleep should come naturally, and with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot slash iHeart.